Hey Dreamers, Joe Pardo here, and real quick, I just want to say thank you so much for the nomination for the 12th Annual Podcast People's Choice Award in the business category. In three and a half years, you know, I, I never really thought that I would uh, get nominated for any kind of awards or anything like that when it comes to this show. I love doing it. Um, I love what it's done for other people and what it's done for me, the lessons that I've learned and the lessons that it's taught other people and the P- and the network of people that it has created has been absolutely incredible, raising money for charity um, to to just changing lives. I'm just incredibly grateful to be the messenger on this journey with you uh, listening. So thank you so much. I'm, I'm super honored. And we'll find out September 30th if we win the business category for the podcast awards. And now on to the show. Hey, dreamers. I'm Joe Pardo. And my guest today is making his dreams come true by helping the light come on in others right he, he he's he's helping others succeed and uh without giving away too much uh i'd like to welcome to the show james colburn i hope i say colburn right yes yes colburn absolutely with an l not like the actor who's dead which he doesn't have an l so that he's coburn Co- Co- who is oh, a, I'm, I'm googling this james, james cole coburn was an old time actor he's dead now though so ah, james coburn huh. is real in life in front of you uh and uh, i appreciate you having me on joe oh you're very welcome you're very welcome so why don't you get started by giving some background about yourself Oh, wow. Well, that's a broad question, but uh, I've, uh, um, uh, way back when, I worked for the YMCA, uh, coming right out of college, um, and uh, my wife also worked for the YMCA, and the two of us uh, live up in, two two of us both live up in Seattle, and uh, um, uh, little by little, we uh, were thinking, hey, you know what, let's have, uh, let's start a family. And, uh, so, um, I decided to go into real estate, um, back in the late nineties and, uh, never turned back from there. So I ended up, um, becoming kind of a master of my craft in real estate. And, uh, in 2006 I had sold, uh, I made a goal to sell 120 houses in one year <clears throat> and I, I did just that. I, I sold 120 houses, uh, and, uh, I was at our lake house and, trying to uh, just kind of decompress from the year. And I felt myself just like an inferno of emotion. And I didn't know why. I mean, I had kind of reached my goals and I had, um, I had, uh, you know, this huge bag of money, if you will, from, from the, uh, from the year. And yet I just, uh, I was so very not at peace. Um, as I sat at our lake house, my uh, mother-in-law, my wife were cleaning dishes and getting ready for kind of, uh, this is Christmas Eve, so getting ready to put the kids down. And I was going to, of course, start to, you know, make the Santa gifts and put them under the tree kind of deal. And, uh, and yet all I could do and all I could think of is my phone ringing and getting one more transaction or writing one more offer on Christmas Eve. And that's when I realized there was a problem. Um, the problem was that I ha- was uh, had assigned, if you will, my identity to my next transaction, and uh, I knew I needed to work on that. Um, but like any uh, high achiever, 
highly successful individual. I wanted to avoid that feeling, and I ran down to Costco because um, we didn't have a TV at my lake house by design. So I ran down to Costco, and I bought a TV and a DVD on Christmas Eve at 9 o'clock at night, right before they shut the door. And, was it um, Mob there? Uh, yeah, Mob was there, <laughs> but they were buying gifts for each other, and I was buying a gift for myself to get my mind off the fact that I was not selling yet one more house that year, even though my goal, by the way, was 120 houses. So the the uh, the process went like this i grabbed a stack full of uh, rated r and pg13 movies and yet i had toddlers and i came home and i plugged the tv in my wife uh, quickly said i thought we weren't going to have a tv and i quickly said we weren't but uh, i need to get my mind off this whole i'm not selling a house on christmas eve thing and i plugged in the tv and i put in the the movie world trade center have you ever seen that movie with uh, Nicolas Cage about nine one one? You know, and... I haven't, but I am going to now because I forgot that he had a World Trade Center movie, and I watch like I've been on a Nicolas Cage kick for a while wow, now. That's a bold statement, actually, Joe. So, <laughs> have you watched any of his new movies? No. So, no. there's a couple really good ones, but. The last like two I've watched are like, yeah, they starred Nicolas Cage, but then it's really a Lifetime film, like a Lifetime movie, but he's only in it for maybe like 10 <laughs> minutes, 15 minutes or something. And I'm like, no, I don't care about these these <laughs> these people. I want Nicolas Cage. Like, put him in the movie. He just needs a better yeah. – he just needs a better script. That's the problem. And a better, well, better editor in some cases. I the last movie I saw with I I was kind of a big Nicolas Cage guy for a while but the last movie I saw was not World Trade Center. The last movie I saw was like middle of the day I'm alone and bored I needed to get my mind off of, you know, work kind of thing and so I went and saw a movie called Left Behind by Nicolas Cage. It was the first and only movie that I walked out of just literally didn't even go and try to get my money back. It was that bad. It was, you know, it was about like, do you know what, what this movie's about? It's, uh, it, it's about like. I did. I watched it. Uh, okay. I'm trying to so remember which So you made it through one. it. Uh, yeah, well, it's like, uh, yeah, it's kind of the Oh, rapture. yeah, I did. It was yeah. the one because at the end. Yeah. Because at the end. All right. I, I know which one this is. Well, the, well, don't tell me the end. Right, because no, no, I don't I want to ruin it. Yeah, so so I uh, the the it's like the, about the rapture, right? Where like people yep. are like driving a car, and then all of a sudden the driver gets raptured up to heaven, and um and then like the passenger in the car uh, is left in a car or an airplane or a bus without a driver careening into a hillside. Because the driver was a Christian and went to heaven, and the passenger wasn't a Christian and didn't go to heaven. At no. any rate, that's unrelated and to he's a my... And he's a pilot. Yes. So <laughs> yes, th this, I do remember this, that. But what I will say is that was... A, I love the uh, fluidity of our of our podcast here, but what, what I want to say is that uh, as, um, uh, as the evening progressed, I knew something was wrong, and so like any good achiever, I went out and hired a coach in 2007 um, to help me. But the problem is that I didn't know what to ask for. So what I asked my coach for um, was to help me make another $300,000 a year. So I, I had made quite a bit of money uh, at that 120 transactions, and I just wanted to round it off and just go another 300. And she said, James, I have one question for you. Um, uh, 
before I can help you make the $300,000, I just have one question for you. Do you play Legos with your kids? And I, I knew that the answer I was going to tell her was not a great one, which is that I don't. I can hardly get on the floor and play Legos with my kids because once I do, I just think of all the things I need to do and all the, you know, all the people I need to call and all the uh, lost opportunities that um, I should follow back up on. And it's just in that stillness that I realize it. And so she said, you know what? I can help you make $1.5 million a year. However, I will not be able to do that until you can play Legos with your kids and enjoy it. So that was the uh, beginning of a major process for me, uh, that, and we can get into that later, but that, that, that brought us to this point. Mm. No, I think that's really powerful. And it also goes to show that you, you hired the right coach for, you, you know, for the job. Um, because otherwise, you, you know, I, I you see I'm shaking my head because we could see each other on camera. Like, because I, I identify with that, that absolute, like 110%, no matter how much I plan and no, how much, no matter how much I stay organized, those types of things creep in. Um, and it, it, it can be very um, difficult because it, it feels like everything else in life is, is not a nuisance because you know it's important. But it's it's a nuisance in, in getting in the way of what's, you know, your perceived most important thing at the time, which is getting the next sale or getting getting those other things done in your business. Yes. Yeah. So so let's talk about uh, let's fast forward to to the book, because the book is called Resucceed. Yes. And had you ever done any writing before or? Well, I mean, I think everyone has three or four books in, in them. In fact, uh, there's people listening right now um, that I'm, I'm sure are shaking their head yes. Um, I'm sure that people have book number one file folder on their computer and like an outline. And then like book number two file folder with maybe an outline and then a half of a page um, of text. And I was that guy for years and years. Um, and uh, – through the transition of realizing that I needed to have a little more uh, wholeness in my life after that 2000, fateful 2006 experience, um, I really focused in on being able to articulate my story and my stance on things better because I felt like I was being limited by my inability to articulate. So I had a there was a line in the sand. And I couldn't pass the line because I couldn't articulate. So it was like stuck in me and I was unable to come out of me. So I had to work on this. <laughs> so I ended up uh, uh, going back to grad school. Um, and I went back to grad school not to change careers, although that did um, uh, slightly adjust after I got out of grad school. But I went back evenings and weekends. I had three kids. So I thought maybe this kind of evening and then one Saturday a month idea for grad school would work, and it did. And, uh, uh, you know, after I got over the hurdle of thinking I was in grad school for great grades, even though I did get great grades, that wasn't the point. My first uh, semester in grad school, my the dean of the school, I was concerned about a test, and uh, not a test, I was concerned about a paper I wrote. 
he said, if you're in this for great grades, you're in it for the wrong reason, um, which was really the point. It was a reminder that I was here to kind of work on my articulation of my ideas. And um, and so at, at, as a thesis, um, I was able to get permission to write a book instead of a thesis. I felt like a thesis would just sit on the shelf, whereas a book – would be something that would be tangible that I could actually um, that would I, I would really enjoy doing. So I wrote this book, and I never published this book. Um, it's at on my shelf, even though <laughs> even though I, I wrote it wrote it to to not catch dust, it caught dust. And um, but um, in 2016, um, I just kind of made a declaration that this is crazy, and I need to get um, get my first book out. And so I ended up rewriting the book again a fourth time in 2016, and then um, the book was published in uh, March of 2017. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I, yeah, and I would agree. Everybody does have a book inside them, at least one. And, I mean, I've written three myself and working on two more currently. And um, it's it's one of those things that you really need to uh, be dedicated to, you know, dedicated to, to, to exploring that, that opportunity that's inside of you. Yes. So, yeah. uh, so my question to you is, is, so what were some of the first steps you took once you decided that, the you know, knock the dust off the book? Well, I mean, the, the big, the big thing was for me was, um, to kind of make the invisible visible, if you will. Um, I mean, I had lots of thoughts around this whole resucceed thing, which is what I needed to do starting back in 2006 when I had assigned my identity to um, the achievements. And the, the biggest uh, issue with assigning my identity to my achievement is that I became lost. So people only knew me for my achievements. They didn't know me for me. And what was interesting about it, even greater than that, was that I stopped knowing me for me. I started knowing me only for my achievements. And so I had actually become a little bit lost in my achievement and uh, a lot of it, I guess. And in my book, I write about uh, – I compare this to my father who used to wear a Navy hat. Um, and even my dad, he never was in the Navy. And he would wear one of those USS, you know, like blue baseball cap with the name of the ship on it. And he would wear it around town and uh, – and one day I said, Dad, why do you wear that Navy hat? You weren't even in the Navy. And he said, when I wear this hat, people notice me. I'm no longer invisible. And I thought, you know, that is exactly like achievement. You know, we wear this garment of achievement around, and there's the symbols of success typically that come from it. Not always financial, but, you know, sometimes just accolades or title or whatever. And we wear that around and we begin to forget who we really are. And we think that uh, we are here on earth to just do the things we're really great at. But there's so much more for us, right, if we would open our eyes. And so we kind of get relegated into this path of achievement and we forget to uh, give ourselves the opportunity or we we stop giving ourselves the opportunity to live our unlived life. And I, I challenge, and, and for certainly all of your listeners, what is your unlived life? What is the thing that, you know, it's almost like uh, uh, regret minimization time. 
you know, that's, uh, that's really the conversation is how can I minimize my regret for my rocking chair moment uh, at the end years of my life? When I'm sitting on that rocking chair, what are the things that I haven't done that I should have done um, that I will regret? And so I'm, I, I challenge um, in the book to really take a close look at that. And through um, the process of what I uh, created called the five-minute epic evening ritual, you're able to minimize regret by asking great questions. So you just stop trying to engineer answers like all high-achieved, highly successful individuals, and you just start asking great questions. Mm. No, I, I'd agree. I mean, that's one of the things I do here. <laughs> start start <laughs> yeah, up the show. That's to exactly do, what you do. To do so. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I going back uh, to your to your coach before we got derailed by Nicolas Cage. Darn you, oh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, what did you wind up doing to uh, to to? to minimize your, your regret in that, like when you're down on the ground playing with Legos? Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of the, the asking great questions, uh, concept. So what, what, what I did is that, um, for the longest time, I, I realized that I was always trying to engineer, uh, basically great answers. So high achievers come up with answers quickly to, you know, challenging, uh, concepts and questions. That's typically all we do throughout the day. The problem is we no longer ask any great questions. We never really um, say, hey, you know what? Surrender the fact that I literally actually don't know all the answers. So this concept of surrendering, surrendering to the fact that we don't actually have all the answers opens us up to this opportunity where we can um, – because I ask great questions right before I go to sleep. So there's a, actually a science to asking a great question and then going to sleep, letting the creative mind go to work on that. So I'm sure, Joe, you've actually slept on a big decision before, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah. So that 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 concept is what I started to do where I would end up grabbing a three by five card and I'd write down three great questions um, and, you know, I call them great questions just because they were actually questions that I didn't have the answer to. So this is not me uh, framing a to-do list item as a question like, what will it take for me to work out tomorrow kind of thing? That's not what I would write down. I would write down a question that I literally, earnestly did not have the answer to, believing uh, first of all, resisting the desire to answer it immediately, because if you're an achiever, successful individual, you'll immediately start answering it the second you ask it. But I would actually write down a question that I am actually curious about. I do not have the answer to. It's a part of my life or it's an opportunity I have yet to, uh, to you know, kind of go into, whatever it is. I actually would sit down and ask this great question on a three by five card and then I would resist the desire to answer it and just go to sleep. And so I started studying this because I started coming up with these, uh, I started I guess I'll say the answers started arriving, if you will, um, in abundance pretty quickly. Each morning, uh, I wake up one hour before I should wake up. Um, I'm uh, a Hal Elrod miracle morning guy, so I really love this whole concept of waking up one hour before you uh, wake up and uh, one hour before you should wake up and having kind of a moment. I, I believe in good endings and good beginnings, so the beginning of the day and the end of the day is probably the most important. Um, and uh, 
uh, you know, the, the concept is that it's more important what you do between five and nine instead of nine and five. And so, you know, it's the, it's the, you know, evening ritual and the morning ritual that I focus on. And, um, I'd wake up and those answers to those questions would begin to show up in abundance, not all of them, but many of them. And I started studying the science of that. So I did, I knew there was something going on. I realized that by, by asking, um, these great questions just five minutes before I go to sleep, believing in the uh, in believing in the process of sleep, and um, actually I I realized that your brain goes to work in a completely different way when you're asleep. Your unconscious mind handles things in a completely different way. It doesn't use the common sense answer it you know kind of algorithm it it actually goes to far-reaching creative corners of your brain to come up with answers as well as that i believe that you're giving access to the miraculous in your life so there's this kind of power beyond you that shows up and so by asking these great questions in the evening i lifted myself out of uh my trap if you will of achievement which um, uh, which really is what it felt like. And uh, so, yeah, each evening I write down three great questions um, that I don't have the answers to, believing in the miraculous and the creative uh, subconscious to go to work while I sleep. Mm. Wow. You know, I, 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 for me, I feel like that would take me some a bit of work because, like, I would ask the question and then I would want to start answer, writing down all the answers to it. Yeah. 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 And, you know, you start out small. Well, so this all started because I, uh, I used to write down all my to-do list items. So I had a yellow pad next to my um, bed. And so at the end of the day, I'd grab my calendar, which, of course, if you're like me, you, sometimes you use your calendar as a task list. Absolutely. So, you know, you day. just shove things in for one hour and it's just it's your thing. Right. And so I would end up, you know, trying to. And then if you're also like me, you want some white space on your calendar. And so I ended up going back into kind of this task list for the tomorrow and then writing it all down on a yellow pad and then deleting those items off my calendar. So it looked a little freer. Um, so I'm just juggling tasks around. Well, no one likes to be told what to do. And believe it or not, when we tell ourselves what to do, we rebel against that even more so. And I, I realized, you know, this whole to-do list item list it has become more of like a to-remember list because I'm not doing most of these things. In fact, most of these things I'll figure out a way not to do. I'll actually – Try to con- I'll try to figure out how it no longer applies to my life. And sometimes I'd even, you know, if I didn't get to any tasks that day, I would go back and read all 80 of my items that I needed to do and maybe delete five that no longer applied. And then I would actually literally feel like I did five tasks that day because I deleted them off my, <laughs> off my to-do list. So I was using the evening time just five minutes before I went to sleep to do that. But that doesn't really set you up for a restful sleep. If anything, it's really setting you up for a stressful sleep. Um, but one night I got to my bed and my, uh, my I, yellow pad was missing, but my kids were studying flashcards um, on our bed for a spelling test. And they left a stack of blank three by five cards on my nightstand. And I thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I could sum up what I needed to accomplish tomorrow on a three by five card. So this started with me trying to just write down three, what I call great things that I would do tomorrow. So I thought if I could just do three things tomorrow, that would be way more than most people I know. Right. (laughs) And so I started writing down just the three top things. And then I realized, what if I 
what if I don't, I'm a big kid. I actually, what I realize is I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm at, I'm 40 in my forties, right? I'm just going to, I'm just going to not even have a to-do list. I know that sounds sacrilegious to most, but I know I'll have a list somewhere, but it's not something that I'm holding with myself all day, right? I, I, I'm just going to believe that I'll do what I need to do. I'm just going to empower myself finally to like, you know, James, you're a big kid. You're going to do your to-do list, right? And, and I'm just instead, I'm going to be curious about my life, right? I'm, I'm not, I'm going to be interested about my life rather than trying to be interesting all the time. And so that, that was this big switch, right? So I started being interested about my unlived life a lot more. And, um, and the best way to be interested was to write down these questions. So I'm talking provocative questions. Well, so even on the book, I'll give you an example on the book. I used I was writing the wrong question. Actually, I was writing down when will I have uninterrupted time to finish my book. That was my question, right? Well, the answer is never. I mean, I'm a very busy individual. I've got I multitask through my days, which I shouldn't, but I do. I end up having I have three or four businesses I'm working on at any given time. I've designed my life that way, and I absolutely love it. Right. So uninterrupted time to finish my book is simply not going to exist. The question should be different, James. The question should be, when am I? Uh, when am I crazy busy life? Will I be so inspired by what happens within it that I'll, I can do nothing but just sit down and write another chapter? Then all of a sudden, the next day, I, there's this crazy busy life that I already have, right? And there's some super inspiration that shows up, and I feel responsible to sit down and write yet one more chapter. And that's how the book got finished. Mm-hmm. It was just changing that question and opening myself up to what would be inspiration that, that I could – I, I can't even hold myself back from sitting down and writing another chapter that I, I feel responsible to share that. And I need to share it while I'm passionate about it kind of thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's really, it. yeah. When you put it that way, uh, getting it to a point where you're like, I'm, this isn't a chore. This is, this is something that I'm now uh, inspired by. In fact, the interview I just did before this was talking about like, the uh you know producing daily content because i've done it uh pretty much twice now with two different platforms and uh getting things to a point where it's like it becomes not inspired on my part like other people saying like oh man joe that's so awesome that you're doing it and it's like yeah but it's it's become like an assembly line for me right it's become a chore for me to to do it and and i don't feel like i have the the room and expansion to be inspired to make it like the bigger thing that I want and get to get out of it, which is self satisfaction, satisfaction as well. <laughs> and we just invent words here on the Jiris podcast all the time. Um, so, so I, I, my question to you is: is are you are you still doing real estate now currently? Well, so uh, I am a uh, business consultant for um, for the franchise. Now, I work with a large. Um, real estate franchise in the, on the West Coast. Um, there's offices in Oregon and Washington, Idaho, and California. And there's 110 offices, and I work with the franchise portion. So I work with each of the individual owners and operators. So my, my uh, career took a change uh, more into the coaching consulting arena. My wife um, is uh, a real estate um, 
uh, agent and we work as a team. So I guess in effect, uh, I still am transacting business, but that's uh, alongside my wife. But primarily my role is a franchise consultant and then I'm also a coach, um, and, uh, and as you know, I write, I write these books. So I've just kind of got the coach, I got the consulting and, and the author thing going. So no, I totally um, understand. That. I mean, I, I do, I have seven different, uh, streams of income myself. So I, it's a lot to juggle. Yeah. <laughs> and, and coincidentally, the more you're juggling, the, the harder it is to sit down and do something that's like, yeah, I feel guilty doing this when you shouldn't feel guilty playing with your kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. A, yes. Um, so I, I gotta ask. So, so how did your family take it when you were like, "I'm, I'm gonna dust this book off and get it done and and get it out there to the world"? You know, they it's a that's a good question, and I do a lot of these podcasts, and I've never been asked it. Um, and it, it, they had the first of all, I started smoking cigars to finish the book. Just so you know, which, really, it, which, could, you, could you elaborate which, on that a little bit? Well, yeah, no. So it, it, it's actually it, it, it's a that it's a, it's actually a good process, um, but it became a not so good process. Um, by smoking cigars, I had lots of alone time because no one wanted to be near me. Um, you know, cause I reeked of cigar smoke and I would write chapters and chapters just uh, out on our back patio. Um, and, uh, you know, I get into this weird, you know, crazed process of, I mean, writing is so personal to me that I just really, I kind of go deep on it. And so, um, the, uh, rhythm of the cigar and the music. And I, I listen to music. I smoke these cigars and ended, I ended up uh, really enjoying that process. Well, uh, they hated the cigars. So the answer is that, um, they relate my book writing to cigar smoking, right? So I need to get the, them out of that. And then, you know, now luckily, uh, the book's done, but I still enjoy a cigar every once in a while. So I probably should kind of be done with that as well. But, uh, <laughs> That you know, the second I finished book number one, I started co-authoring book number two with someone, and my wife, um, you know, we went to dinner and she goes, you know, I noticed you finished book number one and you just immediately started writing book number two, you know, when are you going to be content? And I said, actually, I'm doing absolutely what, what I love. Like I, I mean, I'm co-authoring the second book that is just just was in me the whole time I was writing book number one. My deal was I can't write book number two until I finish book number one. That's that's the only reason why I finished book number one. Actually, beyond that, I I made this goal in 2016 to finish book number one because I I was kind of sick of my own BS, right? Like coming up with excuses for years and years since grad school why I wasn't going to do this book because, you know, I'm not an editor. Well, right, you're not an editor, hire one, right? Or, you know, I'm not a book formatter, right? You're not a book formatter, hire one. I don't know how to design a cover, great. No one does. Like, so I got out of my way. Like the entire 2016 was this process of getting out of my own way, which ends up being a huge deal for most people. Like the only reason why we don't do things is because we're in our own way. Typically, it's us, you know. So for me, 2016 was this whole, wow, this is what happens when you get out of your own way. But what I really did is I created this goal to finish the book. So I needed to rewrite it one more time. So I liked it. And then I wanted to finish it. But I never, ever created a plan to actually publish it. I mean, I had a goal to finish it, but I didn't have a goal to publish it. So then I had to take myself to that place where I go, okay, what would it look like to actually publish it? Because 
publishing, it means you let go of it. Like you give it to the world. It's no longer yours. Like for, for example, you could go and buy my book on Amazon right now and you, um, I, I can't hide anything from you. I no longer am hidden. You will know me. You'll know such stories about my childhood. You'll, you know what I mean? Like you'll, you'll kind of experience this process that I went through with me. And so that's a really kind of scary, daunting thing if you think about it. So, um, uh, you know, I went into uh, book number two, um, with the same idea, but luckily co-authoring it. So I think I'm limiting a little bit of my time spent writing. Um, and, uh, and it's a completely different topic. So it'll be, it'll be fun. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so I gotta ask what kind of music were you listening to uh, on the, the, I guess assume with like a porch or something like that where you yeah, were writing. Yeah. So no, you know what I, I can, I have, to, yeah, it's a great question. So I have to listen to non, uh, there can't be voices. So it's more instrumental and it just, and I, and what's weird is if I find the right song, I just put it on a loop um, what, yeah, and I just go like, maybe even you're shaking your head right now. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I totally loop that know. thing all day. <laughs> and I mean, and, and it, for some reason it just charges me up, um, all throughout the entire, but it's just, you know, there's just kind of this moment that you hit the right song and the right moment. And but, then you but, loop but that. But you're thing. still not giving me, giving me my answer. <laughs> I'm not giving you an answer because I honestly don't. It was just instrumental stuff, and I I don't know. I you know I use like, like electronic amp- instrumental or yeah, like, like, okay. like yeah it's like like, like Dead like, Mouse or like you know probably a little bit of that or like is it you know is it called is it Tiestro or uh, Tiesto? Tiesto yeah Tiesto, Tiesto. Paul Van Dyke kind of like older like, yeah it's just like older ah, trance music energy yeah exactly. yeah 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 no I totally I have a playlist so, of, of like of mostly Dead Mouse songs that like. They're, they're they're very specific to, yeah. to to hitting the right notes inside of me. Yeah, and and that is uh, that just kind of kept it going, kept the process going, kept the energy up, if you will. Uh, <laughs> and then also in writing a book uh, or even just getting out of my own way was this. Uh, I read this book called The War of Art. Have you read that book? I don't really read books. Okay, I just so write it. I. So I don't read books either. I listen to them. And I got into this whole – That's I can't believe you admitted that to me. You don't read books. Like I, I need to sit down. We need to sit down, man. Because you listen I have a stuff. stack of books literally you sitting here know. on the side of my desk that, that are all friends that wrote the book. I never read this book. You got to just get audio. It's crazy that it, it's so valuable. Ah. Audio is amazing. I, I audio booked, if you will, 40 books last year, and I could give you a couple that you must read. That sounds like an achievement for you. Are you sure it, you're okay? Uh, well, you, know what, you, think, you would think that the 40 is like an important metric, but it really is just, it is kind of, I am collecting. I am, you're right. I am collecting. But um, I read this book called The War of Art. Um, I've heard of it. It's, it's I, written I by Stephen Pressfield, it. and he, I think, Stephen um, wrote uh, what is it, the Bagger Vance movie, and uh, just several other. Uh, uh, I don't know. He he's he's written movies, he's written fiction books, and then he wrote this one nonfiction book. He wrote two nonfiction books: one called um, "The War of Art" and one called um, "Do the Work," which I thought. Do the work is kind of an interesting book, but the War of Art talks about resistance, and resistance, as he mentions, is could could for some come you know feel like it's a really valuable thing. Like for example, uh, 
there might be one couple that goes to marriage counseling to work on their marriage, and that is a great thing for the marriage, right? Um, because they're working on their marriage. This another couple could go to marriage counseling to work on their marriage, but really by going to marriage counseling, it's like a grand excuse not to work on your marriage for the entire year that you're in marriage counseling, right? It's almost like a break to not work on your marriage, just to sit in the room and like listen to a guy talk to you about it. Um, and so I started looking, what's the areas of resistance in my life? And so um, what I realized is like, for example, drinking was an area of resistance. I would actually think I'm going to go write another chapter and then I would try to find a bar with Wi-Fi, right? And I'd get in there and I'd, I'd have a beer. Yeah, give me a beer, right? And then I'd have a second beer and I'd be like thinking it's getting, getting the creative juices going. And then I'm, you know, surfing Facebook and, you know, checking this out and that out, going down a rabbit trail. So I realized there's lots of areas of resistance in our life that if we look at it, it's it, it, for some, it's a really great thing, but for others, it might actually hold you back from doing what you should be doing. Mm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I, you know, a lot of times I got to put my, uh, my laptop on airplane mode or, uh, something to that effect in order to, to be able to just sit down and focus on, on those things. You know, another thing I use, um, other than just music, um, my friend, Sam, she turned me on to uh, brain.fm. Uh, where it's like it's all binaural beats and and like music and it makes you feel like seriously it takes five to ten minutes I mean I this isn't like an endorsement other than like I really love it um, but it's uh, or a paid endorsement other than I really love it but it, it it makes you feel like you're you're in your own action movie while you're like working on stuff it's it's insane try it you get like ten free. Um, uh, temp free like sessions with it. It's it's, so it's brain.com brain.fm. Um, okay. yeah, try it out because it, it will like, you will get more stuff done than you thought was possible. Uh, and, and actually I almost, it, it actually gets me tense. Like I, I, my, my teeth actually start like grinding a little bit while I'm like working. Cause I'm, I just get so into it. I really feel like I'm in my own action film every time I turn it on. <laughs> It's it's incredible. Like all I'm doing is like, d- like doing the th- the work that I'm supposed to be doing. But it feels like I like there's a camera on me and and we're you know enhance 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 things like that. So uh, so <laughs> James, so you uh, I heard your your hobby is is finding time to to spend with your kids could you could you elaborate a little bit on that i mean you kind of already have but as a hobby finding time well uh the 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 big the big kind of the big thing realization for me is that i i during those years of achievement i literally have probably a 10-year gap where i don't remember my kids I mean, there was just a period. I remember I told my wife, you're going to worry about this stuff, like this home kid stuff, and I'll worry about the making money, and then we'll catch up in 10. Like, you know, I knew that I had to go deep on this real estate thing at that time, and I was feeling really responsible. And I realized now that how how uh, flawed that statement was and how much I lost and missed uh, through those years. So um, I... I just in the last few years, I've decided that I would take at least one individual trip away with my kids per year. Um, not that I needed to be a Disneyland dad, but just that 
the that the three kids would have these special memories where without any other kid without you know without mom there or anything just just us and in fact this weekend I'm going to Denver um with um my son uh 14 year old son um uh for a concert at Red Rocks and I'm so excited about that and it was really fun to put the whole trip together and I rented a you know a convertible and you know we're just we're going to do it right and uh, last year I went to a four-day concert uh, called the Sasquatch Festival with my 17-year-old. He was 16 at the time um, and camped out. And it was, there was like 80 bands there and, and um, in the gorge uh, up here in Washington State. So, um, And then I took my daughter on a one-day cruise um, from Seattle to Vancouver. Uh, like a repositioning cruise and she's she was nine so we got on the cruise ship i brought a corsage we went to dinner so i'm really having fun with that creativity but what i realize that is that i i need to be willing to just kind of do what they want to do so that so each of them write down on a three by five card here we go again with three by five cards but each of them write down a three by five card three things they want to do and they leave it up to me so my little daughter, one year we did this, she wrote down, uh, and as she's writing down on a three by five card, she looks up to me and she goes, dad, I don't know how much things cost. So I'll leave that up to you. Like she's being sensitive to costs. And on the three by five card, it said item number one, Paris. Item number two, Rome. <laughs> or item she's, number three. Is this the nine-year-old? Yeah, she was eight at the time. Oh, wow. Item number three dinner at the Space Needle in Seattle. And so, like, honey, <laughs> you is your lucky day. We are so going to the Space Needle. <laughs> and so, so at any rate, but, uh, um, uh, yeah, so, but, yeah, it, 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 I, every year I spend a little more than I should. I mean, we're at the point now where I don't share with my wife how much these trips cost. I just kind of do them and figure it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? No, I, I, I love that. And I, uh, I, I can definitely, definitely appreciate it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, to be able to take that, that time, um, to go and do those things and, and not even just to do the things, right. Cause, cause people like you and me, it's not just about the time to actually go and do it. It's about the time to plan it right it's about the time to like okay what's the quick easiest way for me to get the flight where like now i gotta get a hotel now i gotta figure out car now i gotta figure out how close is the hotel to where we want to be is it is it right around the corner or is it like a 50 mile trek you know and i have to do it alone it's not like i say hey honey can you get the car for our trip like i have to do all of the pieces and then i have to schedule the things because i want to get there and have some stuff to do as well, like normally, if I'm not in charge of a trip, I just want it free flowing, and we just, you know, let it let the day happen. But, uh, but um, not when it, when it's my trip with my son. So, yeah, and and I think um, so. There's a lot to be said for that. Just the the planning of it. I know. Look, ten, you know, close to ten years ago, I loved going to Disney World. Like we we me and my wife would go like four times a year, four to six times a year. So. Uh, but and I loved doing all the plannings and the bookings and all that stuff. But but as my life changed and and especially once I left my family's company and and finances changed and time changed, like and I you know being responsible I think for your own income uh, and your own well being at that at that point is 
it, it adds like a level of stress that a lot of people don't understand unless they've they've been there. Yeah. Um, and that's where like that whole like finding time is so it, it, it's difficult. Like it, it becomes like a thing where you have to challenge yourself to do it because it's not just about like, oh, I'm not at work so I can do this thing. It's like <laughs> I'm not at work but like there's eight other things that are going on or eight other things I need to be doing or should have done or could be doing or I wish I could have got more done and we beat <laughs> ourselves up and create that that challenge over and over again. So I I, I – I, applaud you for for admitting that and I, honestly I, I think you're fortunate too to have been able to be married for for 10 years after saying a statement like that and then following through on that statement yeah, yeah. uh yeah. is yeah so you're very fortunate um yeah. i just want to remind everyone that they're listening to the dreamers podcast with your host joe pardo that's me and i'm super interviewing joe. super i i don't call myself super joe that's what other people call me well um, it I call you it, and I just did, and I mean it when I say well, it, Joe. Well, well, thank you. I, I do appreciate that, James. And and you're listening to my interview with James Colburn, author of Resuccess. And, uh, Resuccess. Oh, Resuccess. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't have it up in front of me. I, I, I make mistakes like this all the time, and I don't edit anymore because, you know what? Time. No need. Yeah. <laughs> Resuccess. And uh, – my next question to you is what's been the biggest roadblock for you, James? Well, I mean, I, I touched on it. It's really the, the, the idea of getting in your own way. So if you, know, it's the one thing, you know, it's the regrets of not doing, not, I, I guess, taking your turns is the way I like to put it. Um, a friend of mine, uh, I mentioned this in my book. Um, we were driving along a very dusty road over in um, Idaho, and he asked me, where are you at with dying? And I was like, wow, that's kind of like a really deep question to be asking me. And, and, and yet I, 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 I applauded him for uh, kind of going there. And so I answered, stuttered through my answer, I guess. And he said, you know, the way I look at it is that we um, aren't scared of dying when we are taking our turns. It's the moment we stop taking our turns that we begin to be worried or scared about dying. And what he, what he meant by taking our turns is really just that there's certain opportunities that come our way and there's certain, you know, blessings that are right before us, right in front of us that we either can choose to notice or not. And, and when we start responding to that rather than resisting it, um, when we kind of get out of our own way and and take the take take action, that's it. it in that process, we no longer um, fear death because we're living. So um, the roadblock for me probably has been uh, figuring out or kind of almost like uh, intellectualizing decisions so much into a spot where I don't make any decision. And so the, in the last few years, it's been getting out of my own way by not trying to connect the dots of each and every project first before moving on that project, but believing you, you know the start and you know the finish and in between you'll figure out. Um, so it's not it's kind of like what you focus on, you will feel, if you will. So when you're focusing on all the things that you don't have the capacities yet to complete, for example, like editing and, and formatting a book, right? You know, when you focus on all the things you don't know how to do, then you're pretty much kind of coming up with a reason why you shouldn't do it. Um, whereas 
just get your mind off of the path. And if you, what you focus on you feel, then let's just focus on being on the other side. If you look at the other side, then all of a sudden that's what you feel and you move towards it. You can do nothing but move towards it. I call it full color thinking. Um, so my, the roadblock for me was in seeing things in black and white and then realizing that by seeing things in full color um, in my mind, um, I would move towards them quicker. So, for example, uh, we'll schedule a trip for Hawaii and I'll see most of that trip in my mind before we get there in black and white. But the, maybe the one thing I'll see in color is, you know, the hotel or the water or something like that. So I've been, I've been spending a lot more time trying to make the whole trip in color in my mind before we get there. Um, and then that's a, that's a fun example. But like in any area of our, our life, f- full color thinking in each area uh, of all things that we're trying to approach. And then you, if it, the more vivid that picture is, the more full color that picture is, the more we can do nothing but move towards it mm. because it becomes real to us because it becomes attainable because we actually see it. And I'm not saying woo woo kind of make things out of nothing. I'm saying that there's value. I mean, there's just value in knowing what you want and then telling others what you want. I mean, that's my big mantra is everyone seems to know what they don't want. Like, I'll ask my wife, where do you want to go on vacation? And she'll answer, well, I know I don't want it cold, right? Well, I just asked you where you wanted to go, not where you didn't want to go, right? So same idea in our life, right? We need to know what we want and then move towards it rather than knowing, rather than being so great at knowing what we don't want. So... Well, you know that we the, we focus on the negative. I mean, that's a societal thing that you know, just just like in the same cases of 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 yourself and focusing on like what you don't have right now while you're sitting on the floor playing Legos, yeah. right? What yeah, you don't absolutely. have is is all those things, all those opportunities are just you know all they're all just passing you by, and you're yeah. just you know being lazy or or not grinding twenty four seven, like yeah, like. There's 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 a time to swing the bat, right? When the when the chips yeah, are down, you gotta absolutely. swing the bat. But that doesn't mean that you're constantly you're not the only player yeah. on the team, even yeah. if you actually are the only no. player on the team. Um, right. You have to let other people, uh, to borrow a phrase, take a turn, even if those other people <laughs> in your team don't actually yeah. exist. It's um, and that's that goes into figuring out like how many hats are you wearing, right? Like how yeah. many positions? If you had to split everything you do out, how many positions do are you playing? Like like with my, I'm wearing my uh, Mapcon shirt right yeah. now, and yeah. and we figured this out the other day. It was like 16 or 17 positions that I'm playing, and I'm like, okay, well at least I have that structured now, so I can start to fill in people for those those positions. And uh, not every single position has to be swinging the bat constantly, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And and one of the things that you're mentioning, though, is that it, it's interesting, it, it, the process of being you through all those positions. So the difference is you don't want to be, you know, a different guy in each of the positions. So, uh, you know, hopefully as you age and, you know, I mean, this is the thing I've been working on is that there's some congruency, right? Between you know, you as James at home, you or I'm sorry, me as James at home and me as James at work. So James, working James, you know, author James, you know, speaker James, 
you know, consultant James, dad James, father, you know, or, you know, you know what I mean? Son, father James. That's a, so father James. Yeah. God bless you. (laughs) But, but, you know, there's, you know, I think you can wear these different hats if you will, but still be the same super Joe. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, it definitely takes work. It's not, it's not easy to, uh, to be able to, to, to turn the brain off and, and do those types of things. Um, James, what was your childhood dream growing up? You know, I'm, I'm living it. I mean, uh, I have always been an entrepreneur since very young. Um, and I continue to do lots of that. Um, so I'm just, uh, inventor, innovator, um, speaker. Um, I, I loved public speaking when I was a kid. Uh, and I do a lot of that, um, and um, and and even coaching or consulting. So yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm happy to happy to hear that. Um, now, with that said, what are your dreams for the future looking like? You know, I mean, right now my rule is that I only want to be playing a big game. Um, so in every, I'm always asking myself, is it a big game or has it become a small game? Now, when I say small game, I don't mean that it's not an important game or that, uh, it's beneath me now. I'm just meaning that there's, you know, there's this, when you ask yourself that question, like, you know, is this podcast a small game now for me? Right. Like when, or is it still a big game? Right. Like there either there's one and it's just, it's one or the other, right. It, it usually isn't a gray area in between. And so, um, I, I spend, you know, I often, I, I'm asking that question in the different areas that I'm involved in. And so as long as I'm playing a big game, I want to influence influencers. I want to help, uh, the light come on in people's lives just to get out of their own way, to re-succeed, um, to not attach their identity to their achievement only, but to build fulfillment into their life. Tony Robbins once said that success without fulfillment is failure. And I love that because once when you really take that to heart, rather than just hear the words, but you say failure, like I could be massively successful, make all this money, and I will have failed myself because I did not build fulfillment into my life. And I say you can business plan it because highly successful individuals, um, they, they have the ability to achieve goals. And the only reason why they, and a lot of achievers I know are not fulfilled. And the only reason why is they haven't business planned fulfillment. And all they had to do is spend another couple hours on that idea and business plan what that would look like then that would have would have occurred as well. So because fulfillment's a, a choice, as you know, so it, it's something that you, it's not so, it's not a benchmark. It's a choice, right? Um, and and you have to, but you have to business plan it. You have to tell yourself this would be fulfillment. This would be fulfillment. Otherwise, you get to a Christmas Eve moment, right? You've made one point two million dollars. You sold one hundred and twenty houses or whatever you sell widgets, right? And you are desperate to sell one more house. I was trying to will my phone to ring so that I could go and sell one more house. Even though my goal was 120, right? I had a goal of 120. I wanted to sell one more house, not because I needed the money. Let me tell you. It was because I didn't know what else to do. I certainly didn't feel like I could do the Christmas Eve thing with my family that night. And that, that t- that's the whole wearing different hats and business James and home, you know, home James, that kind of thing. So, 
so, you know, for me, move, moving further that direction, I mean, you're questioning about, you know, I mean, I love the influencing influencers kind of idea. That's what I spend a lot of my time doing and just helping others get out of their own way, which sometimes needs assistance. We need assistance doing that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. The constant reminders uh, are always helpful. Uh, James, could you share how people can uh, connect with you? Well, you can connect with me at James Colburn, C-O-L, B as in boy, U-R-N, dot net. Not the actor. Uh, not the actor, exactly. Uh, so that's jamescolburn.net. And there you can um, you have access to what I call the fast launch package, which is the first three chapters of my book for free, as well as the PDF download of uh, the um, five-minute epic evening ritual process and some training videos. Um, or you can buy my book, which is on Amazon. Um, there's also a link on my website, but you could go straight to Amazon, buy it either Kindle or um, audio or paperback. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, and you can email me. Go to my website and find me and email me if you like. Awesome. Well, I will definitely have that in the show notes at dreamerspodcast.com for people to connect with you. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, is there any last uh, thoughts you'd like to share? Joe, no, I just really appreciate you having me on. And I love the name of your podcast and, and the, the words behind you, Dream Without Limits. Um, oh, you can read the, that. I didn't think I you'd can, be able to I read can. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just, um, uh, you you know, you, you've uh, asked some great questions. And I just love, always love coming on um, to these podcasts and and. Just I don't know my explaining my process and and what what brought me to this point because I know that it resonates for many. Absolutely, uh, you know, thank you so much for taking the time and and I'd love to have you on again like a year and follow up and see uh, what other adventures you're taking with your kids. Uh, awesome, thank you. <laughs> and if you've enjoyed this show, uh, please. All I ask is that you share it with somebody else that you care about, somebody else that can get something out of it, and uh, you know. It, it doesn't take much to just just forward it to someone that you know. Um, so share it with your friends and family. If you if you've gotten something out of this, out of James's story, uh, I know I have, and and I and I do appreciate him taking the time to uh, to be here on the Dreamers Podcast. So thank you very much again, James. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dreamerspodcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.